Welcome, it's Friday. Welcome to Indisputable, I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda, a lot of show, breaking down news of the day. My contributor, none other than Dan Evans, host of Good Morning Bad News, Power Report and Audio Phase. And we got a bullpen, we have Pastor Lucas Miles. So the good pastor would like to debate if Jesus would have been a Democrat or a Republican. I know it's kind of a silly proposition, but I'll clean it up in the debate. All right, should be interesting. Top story of the day, Rudy Giuliani has finally admitted that President, former President Donald Trump did in fact steal classified documents. Here's a video. And, and now they wanna make him responsible for having taken classified documents and preserve them. Really, if you look at the Espionage Act, it's not really about taking the documents. It's about destroying them or hiding them or giving them to the enemy. Right. It's not about taking them and putting them in a place that's roughly as safe as they were in in the first place. Okay, so Giuliani said, yes, he, Donald Trump, was in custodial possession of classified documents. Check mark for element one of the crime. Check two, espionage requires that you either A, destroy said document or documents, B, hide them. Oh, We got another check, they were inside of a safe hidden. Um, and then three, selling to a foreign enemy or giving to an entity that's foreign and adversarial to the country. Well, hell, that may have been part of the plan. So it's interesting, Giuliani in his, I guess, attempt to defend the former president of the United States has just nailed him to a guilty verdict if jury members believe exactly what Giuliani believes. Now Giuliani is trying to launch an affirmative defense. What's ironic about this defense is that it's actually contrary to the current defense coming from Trump supporters and surrogates and aides. All right, let's get into it. The days since the FBI seized classified and top secret documents from Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. The former president and his allies have now claimed that Trump had a, and I quote, standing order to declassify documents he took from the Oval Office to the White House residence. Giuliani says, remember now, Giuliani says, well, he had classified documents, yes, but he was just preserving them. That's Giuliani. Trump says, well, actually they were not classified because I had a standing order to have them declassified. These cats can't even get their lies right. So Giuliani is saying, yes, classified, and he was in possession. Trump is saying, no, not classified, and it doesn't matter if it was in my possession or not. There's more, 18 former Trump administration officials, they told CNN, they never heard of any such order being issued during their time working for Trump. And that they believe the claim to be patently false. Several officials laughed at the notion. One senior administration official called it BS. Two of Trump's former chiefs of staff went on the record to knock down the claim. One, notably, 
Remember this guy, John Kelly? He said, nothing approaching an order that foolish was ever given, said John Kelly, who served as Trump's chief of staff for 17 months, 2017 to 2019. He goes on to say, and I can't imagine anyone that worked at the White House after me that would have simply shrugged their shoulders and allowed that order to go forward without dying in the ditch trying to stop it. So which defense is going to land when he has to defend himself in an actual criminal court of law? Well, we don't know yet, but it's obvious that they're not in the huddle or at least Giuliani isn't because he's going on a defense trajectory that's totally adversarial to what the Trump team is saying. Quite fascinating, all right. Dan, thoughts on this whole thing? A lot of <clears throat> a lot of thoughts here. First of all, Rudy Giuliani, one of the worst lawyers of all time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like when it comes to the drinking out in TV interviews, the uh, the uh, total landscaping thing, the Four Seasons total landscaping thing we had from the beginning from the beginning of the January 6th stuff. If we really look back on it now, Rudy Giuliani has just shown that he is incapable of providing Donald Trump any kind of saving grace. It's it's funny to watch, honestly, but the bigger thing is that Donald Trump is and in all of his people, his their modus operandi has been, we did nothing wrong. And if we did something wrong, it's fine because it's not illegal because we're president. You're kind of seeing that happen here with these contradictory legal defenses. On the one hand, like you're saying, Trump is saying, these are these were unclassified documents, so it's totally fine that I have them. <laughs> really, Giuliani's all like, no, no, these documents were classified, right. but it's okay. We have the finest Malilla envelopes down in Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> They're nice and secure. They have like uh, secret buttons on them and everything. Not like the crap you have in the White House. All they have are just regular envelopes. No, please, these are pristine envelopes here. You can get them at Trump's website for twenty bucks a piece or something like that, right? It's I love to watch Giuliani flail like this, but. At the end of the day, we need to see accountability for Trump and not just these actions, but many more actions, but bare minimum something to prevent him from being in office again. Well said, we're gonna continue to follow the story and the lies that develop moving forward. GOP congressional candidate said that the current Attorney General Merrick Garland should be executed. That's what he said, put his picture up full mass here. Republican congressional candidate Carl Palladino said on the radio show last week that the US Attorney General Merrick Garland probably should be executed following the raid of Donald Trump's estate in Mar-a-Lago. Here's the video. They're out there really running an illegitimate government because Biden is is he's just not around. I mean, there's not, not only physically, but, but mentally, I don't think he's around, he's not engaged. Uh, so we have a couple of unelected people who are running our government uh, uh, with uh, an administration of of people like Garland, okay, who should be not only impeached, he should probably should be executed. The guy, the guy is just lost. He's a lost soul. Uh, he's trying to to get an image, and and his image, his his methodology is, is just terrible. To raid the home of a former president is. It's just, it's people, people are scratching their heads and they're saying, what is wrong with this guy? I mean, what do you really think you're doing? We're sure that he didn't, he didn't act without Biden's uh, approval. Oh, there's no question about that. Silly rabbit tricks are for kids. Let's start here. 
you should be under investigation yourself. That is a veiled threat. I hope they make an example out of you, but because you are rich and powerful and well connected, they probably will not. So let, let me give you some background to this cat, all right? Paladino is a millionaire real estate developer who was the party's candidate for governor in New York in 2010. Is in a close primary fight in New York Republican State Committee against Republican State Committee Chairman Nick Longworthy. Paladino has been endorsed by multiple US representatives. He then later decided to walk the comment back. Now, here's the thing. If you're going to say something like that, say it with your chest. He now has decided to walk it back completely. Here it is. Up a second there, what you just said about Garland. Yeah, Carl, what you just said about Garland, you said you think he should be impeached and probably executed. Can you explain that? What do you mean by that? I'm just being facetious. I mean, it's it, okay. the man should be removed from office. He's, he okay. shows his incompetency. He wants to get his face in front of the people, and uh, mm-hmm. and show he's got some metal to him. But he, his choice of issues and his choice of of methodology is 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 very sad. Yeah, and your choice of wording to call for the execution of a sitting um, AG, uh, it is what it is. Ridiculous, right? Okay, there's more. Uh, the campaign for this clown offered a similar message after the interview. They said, and I quote, responding to a request for uh, coming on Wednesday, the congressional candidate spokesperson, whose name is Vish Bura, uh, reiterated that the congressional candidate was joking and that no further statement from Paladino was necessary. The comment is clear Carl does not think Garland should be executed. And when you listen to the interview, when asked what he meant, he stated he was being facetious. Oh, wow, that clears it up. You see, he did not address it voluntarily, he was pressed on it. He had moved on to the different subject, to a different topic. So there's a history associated with this candidate, problematic statements. We got them, I'm gonna bring them to you. What's wrong with this guy is a question that has loomed over Paladino's entire campaign. Let me take you back to February 2021. That same cat decided to praise Adolf Hitler as, and I quote, the kind of leader we need today. On social media, the same individual boosted. That means he paid for them. He paid money to boost post claiming that the Buffalo and Uvalde mass shootings were actually false flags, false attacks. In July, he hired a man convicted of child pornography related charges as his new assistant treasurer. Oh, I got more. Paladino previously shared a post on Facebook, on Facebook, which pushed conspiracy theories about the recent mass shootings in Buffalo, New York, and Uvalde, Texas. The Facebook post portrayed the tragedies as false flag attacks meant to only help Democrats revoke the Second Amendment, take away guns, and claimed. The Texas shooter was receiving hypnosis training from the direction of the CIA. Put his picture back up. He's close to becoming a United States Congressman. I mean, he may win the election. 
He has a history of bigoted remarks as well, including stating that he wanted Michelle Obama to return to being a man and let loose in the outback of Zimbabwe where she lives comfortably in a cave with Maxi the gorilla. That's what he said. And hope that the former President Obama catches, and I quote, mad cow disease. I think, I just think my children and your children would be much better off and much more successful getting married and raising a family. And I don't want them brainwashed into thinking that homosexuality is an equally valid and successful option. It is not, he said, reading a prepared address according to a video we have of the event. And then there's more to applause at a congregation. He said, I don't march in the gay pride or the gay parade this year. I didn't march this year. The gay pride parade this year, my opponent did. And that's not the example we should be showing to our children. Newsday.com reported that Mr. Palladino's prepared text had included the sentence, there is nothing to be proud of in being a dysfunctional homosexual. But he decided to omit that sentence from his speech, but it was submitted as part of it. Okay, problematic individual to say the least, adversarial to progress, bigoted, bigotry in all forms, a conspiracy theorist and a bona fide Trump humper. All of these things always align. This person is actually dangerous. He has a lot of money, has a lot of influence, has a lot of friends, and has a lot of endorsements from mainstream conservative politicians. Fascinating. Dan, thoughts on this? Very rarely do you get to see the Republican id just out so yeah. nakedly there. And I think the fact, I love when you said, just say it with your chest at a certain point, because obviously I don't agree with any of these things. I'm not calling for the, like, the idea of calling for the assassination of Merrick Garland for investigating the former game show host for hiding a documents from the White House. The paranoia, the insanity that is coming from these people is, it's not just shocking, but it goes back to that Republican id thing I'm talking about where conservatives know that they can push the boundaries by saying these really horrible things to stoke anger, honestly, in their base to motivate them to get to hate other people. But you see there in a bunch of different cases, he's willing to go on the, oh, the Texas shooters hypnosis trained. He's willing to do all these different conspiracy theories. But when there's pushback or when he feels like there's an audience that might be critical of him, that's when he steps back. He did it there with that gay pride thing and that comment right there, I think was super revealing. But he also did it even in that interview where once he was pushed back, he was like, okay, obviously I'm being facetious here. I wouldn't actually mean for Merrick Garland to see harm, even though I literally just said that, didn't say JK afterwards and kept moving on in the interview. So again, when Republicans see that there is a consequence to their actions, they some of them will actually start to feel shame and pull back. That isn't make them great, doesn't make them great people. That just goes that they're the type of people who will push the boundaries and they don't care about the political consequences of that. I completely concur. Uh, I'm gonna take everyone to a school. There's a vice principal who called a student the N word, okay? 
Do you think they fired the vice principal? No, just transferred the vice principal to another institution. Let's go ahead and do it. Uh, put up a picture of the school. A middle school vice principal at Binion Junior High in Taylorsville, Utah, who was found to have used a racial slur against a black eighth grader who happens to be an eighth grade girl has been transferred to another school. The incident happened during a student protest, keep the context in mind. This was a student protest outside of the school and passed in May. The employee was put on paid leave while the district investigated and concluded that he did. In fact, say the N word to an eighth grade girl, girl during a student protest. You know how these statements come out from school districts that will say something like, we have zero tolerance for racism in our district. Well, that's never true, is it? The family, let's put up a picture of the parents here. The family has called for the employee to be fired. But after their investigation, the Granite School District transferred him to another school within the same district. A district spokesman sent CBS KUTV News the following statement. I'm going to read it. It says, after an exhaustive investigation, it was determined that the employee, listen, I'm, I'm, I have to chuckle not to cry. What exhaustive investigation? You talked to the teacher, did you do it? Yeah, I'm sorry, I did it. Girl said, yeah, he called me then, well, that's exhaustive. After an exhaustive investigation, it was determined that the employee did in fact utilize a racial slur when corresponding with several students. Appropriate corrective action has taken place. Part of that corrective action was a transfer of the employee. They put this in writing, a transfer of the employee. Granite District also spent time with the family and local community groups such as Black Lives Matter, Utah chapter and the NAACP to work with our administration to maintain and ensure a welcoming and safe environment for all students. We will continue to work towards that end. Sit your $5 ass down before I make change. Now I have to expose every single one of you. I hope Black Lives Matter. I hope you all weren't down with this. I'm an equal opportunity, put my foot up the ass individual. If you all were down with this, shame on you. If the NAACP was down with this, shame on you. Now, I'm holding judgment on that part. I'm holding judgment just in case these folks are lying on y'all. But if they're lying on you, you need to say something. Because according to the school system, you all, were complicit or at least okay with this arrangement. That's the insinuation from their statement. So if that needs to be cleared for the record, let's go ahead and make sure that it's cleared for the record because they're putting your name out here like this. All right, put up the picture, Dr. Rich K. Nye is the superintendent of Granite School District and Jacob Brown is the current principal of Binion Junior High. The district refuses to reveal the identity of the vice principal nor the school the vice principal was transferred to. But here's what I'm going to do, okay? 
That vice principal is dangerous, calling children the N word, showing racial bias. This school system has taken on a significant liability where they have chosen one individual rather than choosing the progress of their institution or the safety of black children. So if you know who the principal, the vice principal is and what school he has been transferred to, go to RashadRitchie.com, hit contact and send me the information, all right? Time out for this. Dan, thoughts on this case? This frustrates me to no end, let alone the fact that a vice principal would pick an opportunity for a protest to call, to yell at a black like female student and call her the N word. I mean, in a dark way, I, again, like you have to kind of like figure out a way to chuckle at the darkness of this. Maybe that's preparation for how America's gonna work for her in the future. But either way, that's not the environment that should be existing in a school. And a school district should not just go, okay, here's the thing, it was a mistake. But you know, adults make mistakes. So we're going to hide the identity of this person and then shuffle them around the school district. I. I have some experience with seeing that happen in my own school district at a time where a problematic principal is essentially just moved to a different school a different school in the same district in an underperforming neighborhood which doesn't make the matter any better right like you don't move your worst talent to an underperforming school because then there are students there who will not actually get the help that they need educationally it's absolutely repulsive what this district has done. And even if you want this teacher to learn something from this mistake or like make sure it doesn't happen again, you don't do that by hiding his identity and allowing to protect him from the actual accountability. That quite frankly, if he hasn't gotten this accountability in this far in his life, he more than deserves it. Yeah, and you you can't allow a person who's obviously biased against a racial group to teach or supervise children. I don't know why we're even having the debate here. But this school district has decided to clearly choose the fate of one man, one person over the fate of their entire school system or the children therein. We're gonna continue to follow this story, provide an update as it comes. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. I'm gonna read some of these comments. Before I do that, let me remind you of our dear sister, Nina Turner. We have Unbossed with Nina Turner. It's coming to us daily, we'll be here daily at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time starting October 17th. Mark it on your calendar, we want this to be a great, great premiere. TYT.com forward slash Unbossed TYT, Nina Turner will expose how the elites in government, media and other sectors play the game, play the system and what you can do to fix that. Subscribe right now, tyt.com forward slash unbossed TYT. All right, let's look at some of these amazing comments. Lynn says the documentary story has changed more than I honestly can't think of any appropriate comparison. Can you? <laughs> right, it changes daily. Um, Shikata Ganai Beer Dragon, how is this not a criminal act of suborning violence? That's right. All right. YouTube, thank you, Mikey3343. I think the bullpen is unfair. How do you expect Republicans to defend their policies when their policies are just culture war, hate, and bigotry? Listen, the preacher is the one who requested this debate with me. All right? Okay. 
Will 73, we have the most powerful envelopes and the biggest. <laughs> I like what you did there, yeah. Uh, all right, and Twitch. Let's go to fat guy named Tiny. Ooh, school district taking a page from the church. Instead of playing hide the predator, they're playing hide the racist. That's right. I mean, literally, this is a public employee who now they refuse to reveal the identity of or the school that he can now be racist at. Fascinating. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I wish a Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Let's put the picture of the individual up full mass here. Uh, dangerous Karenicity at play. This video went viral on Reddit. It happened in Gilbert, Arizona, right outside of a church. The TikToker Tizzy, uh, Ent, uh, Tizzy Ent was able to find out who the skateboarder was. and got more information on this gun-toting male Karen. We got that information here, here it is. So Corbin said he and his friends were making a video at a church that no one was at. And then that guy drove by and was like, you can't be here, get out of here. And they were like, okay. And he's like, leave. And they're like, you leave. If you don't like us being here, feel free to call the cops. And then he drove around and parked and got out of his vehicle and pulled a handgun on them and threatened to shoot them. He and his friends decided to not push it and to just gather their things and leave. And when they got in their vehicle to do so, that guy followed them. He said they drove around for a while with him following after them and them not knowing what he was gonna do until he finally stopped. Fortunately, by the next day, he and his friends were like, yeah, this, this really isn't okay and contacted police. Police went to the church, church had security cameras, security cameras had license plate and that dude was arrested. Yep, uh, following the video, some local outlets picked up the story like uh, 12 News. A spokesperson for the church said, they actually recognize the man as living nearby, but said he does not go to the church. There is also a school on the grounds of the church, the spokesperson said, and the incident happened in front of the church's kids club. The spokesperson said the church is cooperating with police and hopes the man is in fact charged. Corbin the skater also said the man was not associated with the church. Gilbert police said Thursday, they are still investigating the incident. And have found and taken the gun as evidence, but a police spokesperson said the man has not yet been arrested. That's what the spokesperson said to 12 News, which seems inconsistent with what Corbin told Tizian and stated in the original video post, which was that police allegedly arrested a man. Um, we're still trying to figure out exactly what happened. All right, kind of up in the air right now. Dan, thoughts on this insanity? of threatening to kill a young person on church grounds who's on a skateboard. Yeah, he. this guy doesn't even own the church. He doesn't even right. go to the church. No. Uh, I mean, he needs to find God or something because he thinks he can roll around his Tesla and just like rolling up on people. 
about to shoot them for what trespassing? Are you like neighborhood watch now? What again, we've had in America situations where people elect themselves to be neighborhood watch and then take things to a far terrible degree there. I think it's nice that these were like they look like white kids. So like you didn't get any sort of like tension there. Thankfully, no one was shot or whatever. But I, I don't know, man, I maybe I'm a horrible person, but I do living in LA, I find it easy for me to judge certain types of people based on the cars they drive. <laughs> Tesla owners, <laughs> Tesla owners are not on my list right there. They're right Damn. by Nissan Altima drivers. It's just not my thing. Man, I was trying to avoid saying anything like that, brother, but all right. Not all, not all. I know. Double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. I'm going to call you back. I'm sorry, what did you say? Sweetheart, when you just laughed about that, you, just, you were so loud, you scared me, you made me jump out of the skin. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Okay, just Are you okay? Yeah, no, I'm scared. Okay, I just want to make sure you're okay. No, I'm not. I can't hear you because I have my headphones no, in. No, I know, but when you did that, I was like, oh my God. I didn't even notice I did anything. When you laughed. When I laughed, I did what? Oh, because it's echoes in here. I'm in the yeah, gym. It was it's going to echo. Yeah, at the gym, it's going to echo like that. <laughs> Like, it's like gonna do that. Yeah, it's much louder than that. Just scared me. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, but I can't really help how I laugh. I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything by it. I'm not telling you. I'm not complaining about how you laugh or how the way you laugh or whatever, but have consideration for other people. Respect, honey. You're in the gym. Yeah, take my picture. Report me. Have more video. We have seen this kind of escalation before. It always ends the same. The Karen now needs to call the police. Here it is. Stop. And this one runs deep. Somebody needs to tell this OG Karen that there are some cops that won't lock up black people just because they are black. There was no criminal offense from the individual recording, obviously. Let's put up the picture of this Karen full mass here. Let's count the ways. She got offended because a black person laughed. You got to think about the irony of this. She got upset. Because a black person, a black young woman laughed. And she said that laugh scared her. Oh my God, a black person laughing, I'm in danger. She said it frightened her and she needs to not laugh so loud. 
Now, I guarantee you there are things that this Karen has experienced that may have seemed inconvenient, whatever, it's life. But she felt empowered to go and check this young black woman who turned the tables quickly. All right, if anybody knows this Karen, do an intervention quickly because your mama about to embarrass the whole family. Dan, thoughts on this? I'm gonna, if she's so afraid of black laughter, I'd like to sentence this Karen to 10 years of watching the Bernie Mac show. Yes. <laughs> and Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> and just nonstop. I think this is a very easy one to solve here. This, I think, you know, a lot of people, sometimes the things they're afraid of, you need to expose them to the thing they're afraid of so that they become desensitized to it and it no longer causes them fear. So let's just get some more black people laughing at her, with her, at her, either or. And maybe that'll start to, Calm her down a little bit, but again, thankfully this didn't go in a horrible direction. Yeah, you make a great point. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments. Thank you again for remaining. Lynn says, wow, that skater seems so calm for having a gun pulled on him. It's an unfortunate situation. I've been in that situation before. It can paralyze you in the moment, all right? He may have been shocked in that moment, just trying to stay alive. Uh, James, thank you, James. Thank you for teaching people about structural racism. It's my pleasure. Um, Candace DeLeo, of course y'all didn't want to admit he goes to y'all's church. I mean, they knew a lot of information about the guy for him not to go to the church. Uh, C. Michael Henson, thank you again, C. Michael. Dr. Richard, did you see how that male Karen was holding that gun? Odds are it wasn't even real or armed. He thought he was playing GTA. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, man. The way he was holding that gun was, you know. All right. I got an update. Okay. Remember the cop we brought you who literally saw a man, a black male, bleed to death in front of him from a stab wound, was was, uh, told, hey, you need to help him. Cop says, that's not my job. I've called the paramedics. They're on the way. Well, now we have more information. The cop was actually standing by the body of this black male bleeding out playing TikTok and some other things. So he was on this TikTok app. He was doing some other things with his phone while the man died right in front of him. Let me remind you of that video. Here it is. Go sit over here. Go sit over here. Four, five, two, yeah, male bleeding from the chest, possibly stabbed. We need medical here. Ryan, get out of the elevator, come on. Let's get out of the elevator, man. Ryan, I need you to crawl towards me, bro. We're not paramedics. We have medical on the way. You see how this heartless cop treated an individual dying in front of him, he devalued the life from a rival. Let's put up screenshot we have. On this screenshot, 
you can clearly see from the body cam footage obtained by the independent Salt Lake City Police Officer Ian Anderson is playing games and watching TikTok. This is in the state of Utah. The person who he refused to help, his name was Ryan Outlaw. Ryan Outlaw was dying of stab wounds. An irony in this story is that the person who stabbed him is the one who pleaded with the officer to help him. I contacted that local police department. I was informed very clearly the officers are trained on emergency response, first aid, and it's a protocol to preserve life unless it places the officer or others in danger. This dude wouldn't even get off his damn phone. Put that picture up again. Um, as you might remember, 39 year old outlaw had been stabbed. Uh, Mr. Outlaw was stabbed by who? By his 24 year old girlfriend, Fernando Tobar. Uh, now, Mr. Outlaw died from those stab wounds. So Tabar served three months for manslaughter because of that stabbing. And was released on probation in June after admitting to stabbing outlaw in a jealous rage. I need you to see this clearly, okay? There's a person dead. The individual that killed the person gets a few months in jail. The cop that allowed the person to die in front of him receives no charge whatsoever. Not even gross negligence that led to or was the proximate cause of death, nothing. Let me go back to the cops. So Officer Anderson and his colleague, Officer Jada Brown, recently came under fire when Fox 13 first published the body cam footage that shows how they failed to administer first aid to Mr. Outlaw as he bled out for approximately eight minutes. Now questions have been raised about Officer Anderson's response during his investigation of the crime after Mr. Outlaw was finally to a hospital. So Anderson is on and off his phone for almost an hour as he and other law enforcement officials investigate the black man's death. The muted body cam footage has now renewed outrage about this cop's inaction, which the outlaw family and policing experts said, uh, said the same thing in an interview with the independent. The outrage at first was at no point was about this part, at no point did Officer Anderson or Officer Brown provide medical care or even touch Mr. Outlaw. Did you hear them? Did you hear the cops say, "Oh, you, you, you gotta come up, you, keep on moving, come out of the elevator? Who says that to a person dying? Who says that? You, you don't even have humanity, that blue suit has made you shed your humanity. Who responds to a human being in distress in that manner? A victim of a crime, a victim. Of a crime. There's more. The Salt Lady, uh, Salt Lake City Police initially defended the officer's response. Okay. In a statement to Fox 13, the department said that they had acted in line with training. That's what they said. And 
made the best decisions they could in a very dramatic or dynamic and difficult situation. Now, what are they saying? The SLCPD told the independent on Friday that it has since opened a preliminary review into the officer's response to the stabbing. Now, why are they calling this a preliminary review? Because they don't want to say the word investigation. Understand the game they're playing. They're calling it a preliminary review because they do not want to say the word investigations against these cops. Um, at this point, the city is doing a review of the facts, policy, and law around this incident. And we can't comment at this time. This is considered a preliminary review only according to the spokesperson. Let's put up the chief here. His name is Mike Brown. Um, they will not confirm a full face picture for us of this cop and his colleague who responded. Um, so until they do that, Chief Mike Brown uh, will be the face of this disastrous story. That's why we say, this is why we say Black Lives Matter. We have to pivot the conversation to make certain people in this country respect the fact that black life has value. It's a shame we have to do it. The campaign, the movement of Black Lives Matter should not even be necessary, but it is. We have just provided evidence of how black lives, in particular black males, are not valued in the criminal justice system, nor by agents of law enforcement. Dan, thoughts on this case? Police officers are trained to administer CPR. Yep. <laughs> They're not trained to tell someone who is bleeding out, hey buddy, could you crawl over here for me really quickly? Not so I can help you or like provide you CPR, but so you can like get out of the elevators and make my job easier. I wish, I deeply wish that this man's life was valued more than a cop who came there and did the same thing I do on my bathroom breaks, scrolling TikTok and playing video games. I wish he, I wish his life was treated with more respect than that of, yeah, a bathroom break. But that's why it's important to say Black Lives Matter. It's also important to say that we can't send police in these situations. At the end of the day, that cop there was useless. Useless. The, ambul the ambulance was there. They were eventually able to, like, you know, take care of the man who eventually passed away. Uh, she, he didn't do any investigation. I didn't mean, I couldn't tell whether the woman admitted that night that she had done the stabbing or not. But there was didn't seem to be a lot of investigation done there. There didn't seem to be a lot of like, you know, she seemed to be a person of interest if she's the one calling there and he's stabbed. Yeah. So arrest her, if you are a cop, can you cuff her or something? Such a gross example of why you need more than police officers in these situations because no, you send them there and sometimes they're even worse than useless. Very well said. All right. What I'm about to bring you, what I'm about to bring you is a horrific story of a landlord coercing a tenant into various sexual assaults, into various compromised positions because he could put up his picture for a mass here. That landlord, his name is Alan Rothstein of Las Vegas. Alan compelled a homeless mother 
to sign a lease agreement requiring her to give him oral sex on demand for five years. Barring her from eating certain food and from dating men that are physically bigger than him or men who owned guns. Understand he put this in writing, he made her sign this agreement. As of today, Allen's realty site is no longer active. Reportedly, it was taken down as recently as yesterday. We got a screenshot of it, there it is, yeah. The number is 702-353-6878 in case you're looking for property in the area. Allen would actually admit to having written up this ridiculous contract to the court. He's any agreements or documents mentioned speak for themselves, he said. He said, yeah, I did it, speaks for itself. There's more, let's talk about the mother he exploited. This is a human being. Temporarily unsheltered does not devalue your life, does not eradicate your humanity. Candy Torres sued Alan Rothstein in April 2019 over this housing agreement. Which she says she signed under protest because she was so desperate. That's called unequal bargaining, it's not legal. The legal complaint states that Rothstein compelled Torres to sign a stack of lease agreements which included an illegal activity, which by the way makes it null and void. Form and a direct consent for sexual intercourse and for other things form. After she refused to give him, well, another sexual favor. In August 2018, Ms. Torres was a homeless mother of five. According to the lawsuit, when she was approved for a federal housing voucher from the Southern Nevada Regional Housing Authority. The voucher allowed her to rent a home from a private landlord. But she only had 90 days to find a place and every landlord she contacted refused the voucher. Before this, she and her kids had been living week to week at a residential hotel. Let me pause here because not only do you have this corrupt landlord, you also have a corrupt system. Something I've been fighting for for years is to eliminate what we call income inequality. Meaning these individuals will consider what kind of income. What we're saying on the advocacy side for tenants is that as long as the income is legal, it should not matter how it comes to the tenant. Because what landlords would do is what they did to this young lady. They will say, "Oh." You're on a voucher program, we don't want you here, right? And what does it create? What's the cause and effect relationship? Now, now she's desperate, she can be exploited. She's a mother with children, they gotta live somewhere. And who's there to exploit the bad situation created by policy and corruption? This evil SOB. In September 2018, she found Alan Rothstein's ad online and jumped at the chance to rent a four bedroom, a four bedroom place that appeared she could actually afford. The then property manager and real estate broker let her move in and fix up the home so that the US Department of Housing and Urban Development would approve 
it's voucher eligible residents. So she basically got them in compliance, okay? Let me show you the bizarre imagery from this real estate guy's site. You see this? Hard money is easy. Just ask Alan. Hi, I'm Alan. What? Rothstein also never mentioned the home was in default and subject to foreclosure when he offered this sex contract. He even allegedly charged Ms. Torres more than three times the $145 a month rent, harassed her for back rent, which she did not owe, and eventually tried to evict her. Now remember, she's prorated because of the voucher. He's still charging her money on top of the voucher and and getting sexual favors through coercion, force, intimidation, manipulation. Rothstein's licenses have now been revoked, okay? And he's currently on federal trial for violating the Fair Housing Act, which he denies he did. He was also fined $94,000 after the Nevada Real Estate Division investigation found he listed a fake address for his brokerage firm and made repeated unwanted sexual advances toward Ms. Torres. Uh, we're going to continue to follow this case. I want to say this to Ms. Torres, what you have done is heroic. You standing up for yourself, standing up against a powerful evil bully has saved others in the future. What you have done, madam, is to be applauded. Thank you. Dan, thoughts on this? This man is a bully, this man is sick and disgusting. Uh, exploitative, more words than I can throw at it. But really, we need to get the systemic issue here. The fact that this voucher program exists so that landlords can then decide, oh, I am going to discriminate against you and not allow you to get a house because I don't like that you're on the voucher program. I don't like that you're on Section 8 or any of these other programs that do exist out there that come short of what the real goal should be, which is a housing guarantee. Making sure that we don't have people who have to struggle to make ends meet or have to live on the street because we live in the richest country in the world that still decides that thousands and thousands of people can be unhoused in every city in the country. It is obscene, it is gross, and that is a systemic failure that you have an opening for weasels and scum like this human being landlord over here to be able to exploit people. It's disgusting and we need to change the system. Got to change it. I encourage people to do some research about income discrimination, how it adversely impacts individuals like Ms. Torres. And let's try to get some movement happening in local communities around this country. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable, stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of comments, kind of press for time. Lynn says, I guess that calling outlaw bro was doing enough. Next CLT reporter says, I will call this cop a pig, but that would be an insult to pigs everywhere. Um, and let's go to Twitch. Um, Mike Boy Rap says, how do you see someone bleeding out and not feel inclined to help? Uh, because their culture, culture, policing culture has become rotten, all right? Not all of them, but a whole lot of them. All right, very sad situation. Um, Nappy Roots rapper, Fish Scales. Was shot and kidnapped. He's doing okay right now. Okay. Now I do want to say this about some of the reporting that has been done. 
Um, local news agencies have uh, captured this story. It happened in Atlanta. Um, he's not only a rapper, he's also a business owner and an entertainment executive. So the Atlanta police are still searching for two suspects accused of robbing someone at a brew pub in Castleberry Hill. This was before the owner was kidnapped. So there was literally a robbery in the parking lot of this establishment. And then they went inside and they grabbed fish scales. Let's put up the picture full mass here. This is at a place and that's them in the hospital. And he's doing okay, fish scales is doing fine. Uh, this happened at Atlantucky Brewery, okay? It's owned by members of the Grammy nominated group, Nappy Roots. This is a popular and successful business. The victim identified by police as Melvin Adams, uh, obviously better known as Fish Scales, suspects went inside of this establishment as it was closing and went after the owner, according to the police. The suspects allegedly forced fish scales into his own car, a white SUV. The man was shot when he tried to escape in Hapeville. Okay, fish scales is currently in the hospital. We just saw that. Let's put that picture up again. He's recovering from the gunshot wound. Um, and the message from Nappy Roots on Twitter was, we again want to thank everyone for the supporting prayers for our brother. He wanted to let everyone know that he is in good spirits and can't wait to get back to the music and to the brewery. Thank y'all again and keep it nappy. Um, let me say this about uh, nappy roots. They, these individuals have significant character. They have significant integrity about what they do. They're very thoughtful and they are business minded. So much so that they own businesses. This should not have happened. I looked at this story initially and wondered why would he run? Well, it looks as if much more was about to happen to him if he did not. So it may have been the right call to make. I'm glad that he's going to be okay. Obviously, nobody wants to be shot, but he's going to be okay. And I'm looking forward to him coming back to the establishment. All right, Dan, thoughts here. We, I'm so glad that he's okay. I could have gone far worse, but I think overall, we gotta accept and acknowledge this. We have the. Folks in our community who are running businesses, who are like doing things the right way. I mean, like, there's very few like code to the streets here, but like, why are we targeting our own businesses? Why are black people targeting black owned businesses in yep. these kind of like situations? It's something that we got to really work on internally, so to speak. But I'm so happy that Nappy Roots is doing well and in good spirits and getting ready to go back to music. There you go. My dear brother, always a pleasure having you on the show. Tell people I think follow you, check out your great work. Always a pleasure to be with you, Dr. Shad Ritchie. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan from the web. Keep up with all the stuff I'm doing, including Good Morning Bad News on TikTok and Power Report Live, which is streaming every Thursday evening on Twitch. Until next time, my friend. Cheers. All right, we got more. The bullpit is next. Stick and stay. All right, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. In the bullpen today, we have Pastor Lucas Miles, faculty summit.org, 
author of The Christian Left, highly sought after speaker and writer. It's gonna be interesting. The topic, is Jesus a Republican or Democrat? Now, I would submit in advance, he's he was neither, all right? But policies, values, what aligns with the Republican Party and the Democratic Party based on an analysis. So I'm up for that conversation any day. Pastor Lucas Miles, thank you for being on the show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Let me first ask you this question before we go any deeper. Which Jesus are we talking about? Are we talking about white Jesus or black Jesus? I am good. I'm glad you brought that up because there's actually multiple versions of Jesus. And I think it's really important to define that. I'm talking about the biblical Christ, the Christ from the first century, the Christ that was born in Bethlehem, the Christ that scripture speaks of. Okay, so what was he a man of color or was he a white European? He certainly wasn't a white European. He was right. he was a he was a man of of uh, the Middle Let's East. Say, and he, would he, look was, he was a man of what now? There. A, man, a man of color preacher, right? Right, Pastor. I lost, he was a man of color. Second. He he was a man of color, correct? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right, there we go. We can continue. So I don't want to presume what you know or believe about this particular topic. So if you would provide your analysis, and then I will opine. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I think we're in agreement, at least at the, the initial uh, aspect of this. And I don't believe that uh, um, you know Jesus was a Republican or a Democrat. Obviously, uh, this concept of Republican and Democrat is a modern uh, uh, you know paradigm that we refer to in our country. I don't think it's applicable to uh, a first century Israel. Uh, what what I believe about Jesus is that he is the embodiment of grace and truth that we see in him uh, the absolute uh, uh, picture of God. He is the fullness, the representation of God. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 1.3 that he's the exact representation of God, in fact. And uh, he is God in the flesh. And so uh, God can't be defined by a political party. There's certainly those on the left that would love to uh, uh, you know, claim him as their own. And there's those on the right that would love to claim him on it as their own. But I believe that Jesus exists outside of those paradigms. And what the question is, is really how do we best align ourselves with his truth and his teaching? So let me ask you this, cuz I'm a man of faith myself. And I take these things very seriously. And I happen to actually lecture colleges, universities, and even some seminaries about the connection or the disconnect between good policy, spirituality, and politics. So you do agree that Jesus or Yahshua was in fact a person that had stated values, correct? Oh, Absolutely. Okay. He had stated values. So that's something we can look at and define. Second, you would agree, because I can define this historically, politically, scripturally, or spiritually. I'm gonna stick with scripture for a moment because you referenced scripture. So I'm gonna utilize the context of what you submitted. You agree that scripture has stated values as well, correct? 100%. All right, and political parties also have expressed values, good or bad, they express their values. Am I right so far? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, the question is, are the express values of the teachings of Christ, regardless if you believe in them or not, are the express values of the teachings of Christ, are they more aligned to left-leaning ideology or right-leaning ideology? And I'm gonna read some scriptural context for you, Pastor. Okay. All right, so let me go to Leviticus. Leviticus 25 says, If your brother becomes poor, 
and cannot maintain himself. You shall support him as though he were a stranger and he shall live with you. You can take no interest of money. You shall not lend him money for interest, nor can you give him food for profit. I'm gonna show another text, James 5. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth eaten. Your gold and silver will corrode. Um, we have another one, Proverbs 28.8. It says, whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit only gathers it for those who will end up being generous to the poor. Meaning they will not benefit from their own profits through interest. Tell me how that aligns to pro Republican and pro profit ideology. Hey, look, first of all, I'm glad that you read those verses. I mean, we're at least I think we're in agreement that the Bible is absolute truth. It is the word of God. It is infallible. So let, let me go ahead and correct you on the record. So okay. I do not I do not believe that every word in the Bible is true in the sense of um, I have to get down with it. For example, when it says slaves obey your masters, that's yeah. in the New Testament and reference in the Old Testament. I don't give a damn what book said it, I don't get down with that. God gave me a brain before he gave me a book. I do believe there's uh, inspiration by individuals who were inspired by divinity in order to write. But I, I know this about man and woman, we are all fallible and there's no perfection under this sun. So that's just giving you some context, but go ahead. I appreciate that, I appreciate yes. that very much. And always appreciate your willingness to allow both sides to be shared. So yep. I love that about your program. Thank you. Um, so you know, regarding this, I personally believe that the Bible is inerrant. It is the word of God, every single verse. I think that the problem when we look at passages like this, especially if we don't hold to the inerrancy of scripture, mm -hmm. is how do we know that the verses that you just read are ones that we can trust. And so that becomes, you know, it, we become the arbitrator or the arbiter of truth where we're deciding which verse is relevant and which verse isn't, which I think is one of the, the, the things that's a problem with progressive Christianity that I address in my book. Um, in regards to this, I, I think the other thing, you know, and you pointing this out, I, one of the places where this has gotten off track is that the government oftentimes is trying to do the job of the church. I believe that the church should be caring for the poor. The church should be caring for the sick. But what we've done is we've acquiesced that position and the government has taken that on and oftentimes robbing the church of that role. Is the church um, stepping up and doing it? Wait a minute, brother, you said robbing the church of that role. Uh, I'm a member of a church, I'm active in ministry. I do all of this, right? Especially with young disenfranchised youth, I make sure that there's a bridge between their societal dysfunctions that may exist and opportunities that we need to present to them. Cause I benefited personally from those opportunities as a teenager myself and I know what they can do. So when you say opportunity has been robbed from the church, please tell me where the church has been adhering to the discipline of feeding the hungry or taking care of those that have been harmed by government. Remember brother Jesus, he didn't have a ministry talking against gay people. He had a ministry talking against government corruption. He had a ministry talking against religious corruption. He didn't have a ministry talking about bare arms. He had a ministry talking about treat people better. So explain to me how that is in alignment to Republican ideology, dear brother. Yeah, so I mean, first off, just to just to clarify from my standpoint, you know, Jesus did define marriage, you know, as a man and a woman. That was the definition given throughout scripture. We That's also not see true. 
the first definition we have of marriage pastor in scripture allowed for multiple wives and even concubines, which were elevated prostitutes. I, I would say that's the first reference as a pastor that we have of marriage in scripture is in the Garden of Eden, where that, there the was Lord no, says sir, that, that a man no, shall leave his father and mother. No, sir, that was actually not a marriage, that was a union. A marriage is a consecration of a contract in front of witnesses. Look up the etymology of the Hebrew word marriage, you will see that I'm correct. I, so, I, think, I think most of church history would disagree with you on that. Is it, okay, you can look it up, come back to me. Is it a marriage when individuals in scripture were allowed to have more than one wife? They defined it, you say, okay, it was defined as one wife, one woman, one man. That's not what the Old Testament says. That's not yeah. even ancient compared to traditional marriages. And they were still engaged in marriages that were set up. They were arranged marriages, that's another yeah. formation of marriage. So explain yeah. to me. How we get to um, the New Testament, one man, one woman as as traditional marriage, when a man being able to have way more than one woman was more traditional than that. Yeah, it says in Hebrews 12 that the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. So what we see in the law of Moses is a shadow of the good thing. The good thing that the, the wait a minute, hold on, hold on, wait a minute, hold on. Let me just finish this point. The, the perfect picture, picture of marriage that we have is Christ and the church. So okay. we see we see that one union of the church yeah. and that bridegroom of Christ. That is the picture of marriage that all marriage should be represented by. Pastor, let me ask you this question. Do you think it's possible that the reason why men could have more than one wife in the Old Testament Christian scripture and women could not is because all men wrote the Bible? You think that may have had something to do with that obvious hypocrisy? I, I don't see when I read scripture a, a push or encouragement for multiple wives. In fact, the examples we see with Solomon and, and David and others is multiple wives typically got them in trouble and took the nation of Israel off the path that was supposed to be on. So I don't see this as something that's celebrated in scripture and encouraged You know, maybe the way that's being implied. Now, scripture is one dynamic, I completely disagree with you because it was cultural to the era. It was culturally acceptable, legally acceptable, and spiritually acceptable to have more than one wife as a man in Old Testament scripture. It was not acceptable for a woman to do the exact same thing. Tell me why. Uh, look, I, I think there's opportunities in the law of Moses for for women. We can certainly, you know, talk about uh, uh, some of the, you know, some of the challenges, you know, in understanding these passages. But mm -hmm. I think again, well, the talk to me. Paradigm the paradigm of marriage uh, brother, goes back explain to them to me. Why yeah, I mean, here's here, here's where I believe scripture. We have to start with an understanding of marriage, and okay. I know that you refer to this as a union, but this is my this is my viewpoint, and my study of scripture is the marriage between Adam and Eve. What we see is that Eve came from Adam's side, from his rib. She didn't come from his feet for him to walk on her, and she didn't come from his head in order for her to tell him what to do. She came from his side. There is a parallel. Uh, uh, you know, compatibility. There's a, a, a there are blessing to one another, and, and I think that is the paradigm that we see, and we have to you know evaluate the rest of Scripture through what we call as theologians the law of first mention, and that is the law of first mention for marriage. Okay, definitively. All right, that's that's an interesting doctrinal note, uh, the law of first mention, uh, because even in Scripture, the law of first mention contradicts itself. Do you know the Proverbs that says? Um, do not answer a fool according to his own folly. Have you ever heard of that wisdom yes. text before? Yep. Do you know what comes right after that, Pastor? Uh, I think it's the verse about answering a fool according to his folly. That is, is that correct. 
it contradicts itself within the same passage. It, it doesn't actually. Go when ahead. you contextualize the passage, what it's referring to is it's actually giving a, you know, see, people oftentimes, and this is the problem with legalism. See, and, okay. and what I'd like to talk about here today is that we have we have two sort of you know extremes of Christianity. We see legalism. Wait a minute, Christianity. Pastor, I want you to explain that text because you cited the law of first mention. The give, law give me of 10 first seconds mention. and I'll get okay. to it. All right, we have we have progressive Christianity on one side, we have legalistic Christianity on the other side. Within legalistic Christianity, the problem is just to take the text for you know what it says. It's just verbatim, you know, and not and not contextualize it. I believe what we're seeing in Proverbs and and and, and passages like you're referring to is we're seeing that wisdom is not just a a checkbox. That there are sometimes you should answer a fool according to his folly, and there's sometimes that you should not. Pastor. You are absolutely correct. What the scripture is saying is that you utilize judgment. Because while it says one thing, it contradicts itself on the other, saying to the reader, I need you to use your brain on when to apply one or the other. So the law of first mention is not a law that's universal in text, scripture, even by your own word. And you said these things require context, these things require Context, and that's why I submit to you that when you say this is the infallible word of God, wait a minute, you're telling me the infallible word of God requires context? The infallible word of God requires interpretation? Well, it is not infallible then, it is simply a word because that's how we use words in this in this culture. I, I would describe that a little bit differently. Okay. Um, I think that I think the Bible allows us to um, uh, to really approach it with wisdom through the discernment of the Holy Spirit, and that you know it's not this isn't a contradiction. I think it's explaining that there are sometimes we think like this, there's sometimes we address this like this. But what we don't see that about is we don't see that about marriage. We don't see the Bible say sometimes that marriage can be between you know uh, two men or two women. We don't see scripture say that about abortion. We don't see scripture say that about these other issues. But progressive Christianity has introduced a different version of Jesus that's contrary to the Word of God. Well. Uh, what did Jesus say about gay people? Uh, Jesus, Jesus, you, you can't make an argument from silence. You know, this no, I'm is, just asking what? No, 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 brother, real simple. What did yeah. Jesus say about gay people? What did he say? Uh, the New Testament speaks explicitly against. What did Jesus say about gay people, Pastor? Well, he defines marriages between a man and a woman. What did Jesus say about? No, I'm gay sure people? there's not there's not a particular not verse a of thing. the words of Jesus. Nothing. But again, okay. if we're only saying the words of Jesus or Scripture, that's where we're going to have divergent views. Because I believe that Paul's words are also Scripture, that Peter's words are also Scripture, and I don't give weight to one other verse above another. All right, so let's I do this then. If you believe of all of it, truth. if you believe all of it is on the same right on the same power authority, all words. You also believe burning incense is an abomination unto the Lord. Do you believe that? I believe that what Scripture teaches us based upon the New Testament is that okay. it shows us that we read Scripture literally in context. All and right. What I mean by that I agree. is it that should be in context. That that Scripture that there are times that Scripture, if it's a parable, Scripture will tell you it's a parable. If it has been something that Jesus came and fulfilled the law and freed us mm -hmm. from the requirements of the law, Scripture shows us that we have been freed from. All right, the we only got a few more minutes. I point taken. Uh, Jesus was considered a progressive of his time era. I would Correct disagree. Correct. Tell me I, what you not, not the way quickly. that we would define progressive. No, no, he sir. Was, he was countercultural. I'll give he, you that. He, he was counter-establishment. He was anti-government. He was adverse to the religious order. 
he was pro, he was pro unity, but at the same time anti individuals who were uh, corrupt. He, not he was also the pro personal responsibility. He was pro truth. He was pro basing your life upon. Do you the think word that? God. Okay, good, great. So you think that's. What the Republican Party is doing with Trump and a big lie—that they well, are I'm pro not here personal to responsibility. The Republican Party. I'm here to represent, you know, the Word of God. And, yeah, but, and really but, but you, brother, you wait a minute, brother. You wanted to talk about Democrats, Republicans, etc. You can't now say you don't want to talk about Republicans. You just express values connected. Look, to I, I'm happy to talk are, about are Republicans, Republicans, sir. Are the Republicans in leadership right now? Are they being truthful? I, I don't know every Republican in leadership, but what I can tell you is a Donald party Trump. platform. How about Donald about Trump? Party platforms. How about From Trump? A party is plan, being platform truthful? standpoint, uh, Christianity looks, uh, the Republican Party looks a lot more like Christian values than does <laughs> the Democratic Party. Wait a minute, I damn near fell out my chair. Uh, the Republican Party is full of white nationalists. Racist and individuals like Donald Trump. Can you define white nationalists for me? Because we I hear this term all the time, and I want to hear somebody clearly define this. I would clearly define it for you. A white nationalist is a person who cares more about the advancement of the white superiority complex in America than America itself. Does that okay, help so you? It, Does it, that help? It, you? I guess it confuses me further. Oh, I mean, right. when I hear the word nationalist, I think it's a dog whistle, you know, to to Nazism, to something like it is. that. It is. Um, it's all connected. Because yeah, and, and, and so let's look at I mean, if you look at the, the the church in Nazi Germany, the Nazified mm -hmm. Christian Church. What they did is they they threw away scriptural truths. They switched the the, the Bible for Mein Kampf and the and the uh, cross for the swastika, and they began just spouting the agenda of the state of the All third right. Reich. And that's exactly brother. what we're seeing happen. I in feel the like I feel like you're filibustering, and I got one minute left. Uh, okay, it's your show. show. I'll give you time. All right, is Donald Trump? Lying, is he a liar? I, I I don't I don't have any quotes on that. I don't I don't work for Donald Trump, so I can't speak to that. Has he lied? I, I'm sure everybody's lied. Have you known Trump to say a lie in the public? No, I, I feel like that from what I see, um, uh, more often than not, when he says something, he does it, and that's that's one of the things. Has he I, lied you know, about one of the reasons things. I voted has, for him. So so Trump has, in your uh, interpretation, he's never lied about anything, correct? I think that that um, he tends to do what he says he's going to do. That's that's what I know because I don't know him personally. All right, um, I see who got your card, preacher. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Sir. Thanks for having me. I sincerely appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Remember, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.